We ship beyond the shores of mainland Japan this week once more for a dip into the mainland around Korea here as Kyukdong Entertainment begets its own giant monster. This is Kaiju vs. History, Yongeri, Monster from the Deep. Welcome back, Kaiju vs. History fans, to another episode of Monster Mayhem. This is your generic scientist leading man, Miles, and joining me is an itch-ray-wielding scamp, Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing this week? Oh, I'm good. I'm not going to let my uh, uncle enjoy his his wedding day. (laughs) It's time to blast him with an experimental gun that I do not know what it does. Not only that, but like they were like, this is the opening of, of of this film. This kid is like several miles down the highway. Yeah, how did he from get this there? wedding? So I don't know there? how he got there. He's he's out in the wilderness with a gun. He does. I don't think he knows what it does. Or maybe he does. He's like, aha, I made you itchy. <sighs> Talking about Yongeri, Yongeri. Yeah, like this is this our first Korean production? Well, there was a you know we talked a a, a bit about the lost film Bulgasari which I think came out the late 50s or early 60s. Memories foggy on that one. They had some some entries into other monster-esque movies, but this is the, yeah, like the first, I think, official kaiju film that we've gotten from Korea. Not going to be our last. And this one was a pretty popular one. It, it opened August 13th, 1967. <laughs> and is one of several Korean films from that year that sold over 100,000 tickets, which made it a hit. It was one of many hits in the burgeoning South Korean film scene. And yeah, yeah, the the country at the time had 570 screens total. So you're talking every single screen sold out for probably over a week for for something like this which is which is pretty amazing right yeah i mean well that not only that but like i mean this almost had the same fate because for the longest time this was thought to have been lost yes and that's something i didn't know it's one of the reasons we do the show the ait version that that we have access to that we will talk about had a an, a new episode of mystery science theater 3000 done about it has been think bandied about the public domain potentially for some time but the original korean there's only about 48 minutes of the original cinema version yeah the original language that they re-released i think in the last decade at a, a film festival but part of that was it was so popular they shipped all the print materials to toei for international you know, dubbing and and sending it out, and it, it got lost or got damaged in that, and they didn't keep any of the masters in Korea, and unfortunately, yeah, it was lost to to the annals of of time, uh, at least in its home country, which kind of stinks. Yeah, I, and before we get too much further into this film, I mean, you gotta tell us what's in a title for this 
Very blatant Godzilla rip- ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. Is it? Uh, I don't know. The the great monster Yongari is the Korean title, and it's not Daikaiju Yongari. It is Daikosu Yongari, of course, because it is Korean, not Japanese. It is Daikaiju Yongari in Japan. Both basically mean the same thing, and it wouldn't get the title that we know it from. Young Gary Monster of the Deep until the AIT television dub came to America. I'm sorry, Miles. I'm very sorry to say there is no Frankenstein title in Young Gary's history of of releases. But unbelievable. But they do they do use another popular name. <laughs> yeah, the West German release. It was retitled Godzilla's Todsprunk. <laughs> Godzilla's Hand of Death or Death Hand. Or clawed hand, something along those lines, <laughs> whatever toad spronk means, even though this obviously has nothing to do with Godzilla, it is a giant rampaging bipedal beast, very it, similar. I mean, so. it, it looks very similar. <laughs> the, uh, I, my, I'm, I was having a complete brain fart when we were, before we started recording, cause I was like, did they take this title because it was similar to Ebera Horror of the Deep? Were they trying to, you know, <laughs> work off of that American title as well? But yeah, Monster from the Deep is what we got here. And it doesn't make a ton of sense, <laughs> you know. I think Great Monster Yongari is, is probably the best title for it. We we did have a, a couple of the releases trying to tie it to Godzilla, including Monster of Terra Godzilla in in some German releases as well as another one in Belgium the return of Godzilla le, le retour de Godzilla not Godzilla though unfortunately for us <laughs> and you say it's a Godzilla knockoff I don't agree with you I think this actually has oh well, it's in many people's minds probably the most egregious Godzilla knockoff and I'll hand that to you but I think this movie shares a lot more DNA with the Gamma Gamera trilogy that we have had so far in that it shared some design um folks from that movie and you've got the friend of all children yonkri in this movie so you do have that aspect that that is true but from everything else to the i would say uh below the neck design of the creature it's (laughs) pretty blatant well yeah the the bodysuit yes and maybe that was to try and and dig at Godzilla, but powers wise, he's got like a horn laser and he's got fire breath. He's, it's just it's so much similar to Gamera and Gamera monsters that we well and, and, and in the in the face and how they do it. You, I definitely agree. I think the one thing I did like was whether or not they used it within the the hel- suit helmet itself or it was just a lighting effect. But I like the I, the the effect that kind of made his eyes look like they were glowing. Yeah, yeah, we we've that was that. a pretty that was pretty cool. We saw that in in Gappa as well, and it, it's good. It's kind of lifeless eyes, and I mean know. that's what you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of that for for a good while. <laughs> Not a ton of amazing suit acting from Cho Kyung Min, the, the suit actor from from Young Gary. Not that I don't think he was given a lot to do <laughs> acting. I, I, w- I would imagine so. The, the the first half of the movie definitely de- does feel a little more Gamera like. Mm. Um, I feel I feel the second half feels much more Godzilla like, with the with the exception of the dance number that we are <laughs> treated to. Well, that feels um, Godzilla like. We had some dance. Moves I mean, from, yes, from Godzilla but, movie. but the, the the tone. 
And I mean, I get it because I mean, when when you have these movies that are very popular to kids, Gamera is specifically gearing itself for children at this point, and Godzilla will as well. I, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see this turn from across the board. Like, there's no attempt to make this movie really that scary. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some some of the special effects are are laughable. I mean, being able to see actually see the nozzle on full display in, within its mouth as it's fire as it's using its well, fire breath it's just so funny because you can just shoot it from a different angle you know right and yeah. you don't see it at all you just see fire coming out of a very cool head sculpt <laughs> as opposed to if you're shooting just right down his gullet you're gonna see it 100 percent yeah th- th- this film was and they do it multiple times that's that's the thing if it was just once it was like yeah. oh okay we saw we saw right. I mean, that happened this, in Gamera one. We kind of saw the same thing, but it was a little more masked. Yeah, th- this film was, I mean, honestly, pretty poorly shot. I know it was not the director's first film. And I know that the you know Korean cinema industry had been suffering greatly around this time because of the Korean War. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're coming out of the Korean War and it's the very same thing that we saw in Japanese filmmaking. They had a period where they basically could not produce anything outside of your more gung ho militaristic things that supported the, the regime there. But I think in the late fifties, they started to, to reclaim that that aspect of their society, the, the filmmaking aspect, even though their gross national product or their, their, their exports and things, it was just, it was so devastated from the war. They had mm-hmm. nearly, you know, no money for, for films. So this one <laughs> coming out and being extremely expensive was an oddity. And, but it was, it was part of this monster boom that we've seen here in the sixties. And part of that was they were pretty sure if they were, able to make something similar to what they've seen in in japan something palatable they'd be able to export it and that would bring in a not only a lot of dollars a lot of greenbacks from from across the pacific but also attention you know Mm -hmm. bring some attention to to the the film industry and whether it did that or not i can't say because i'm not sure how many other partnerships i have <laughs> there's a very large gap in my knowledge of Korean filmmaking history between the the 50s and 60s until like the 90s <laughs> until we get some some of the more popular Korean directors coming out then right yeah i mean most most of my stuff is from the last 25 years i would say so this one i mean we're this is this is not the first nor the last time we will get a a Godzilla like or a Gamera like, if you will. No, we've, um, we've had we've had three pretty good similar ones. I, I feel like similar kind of knockoffs. Definitely Gappa, right? Gappa the Triphibian monster. Even that they shared a lot of DNA with with Gorgo. Yeah, other other kaiju movies. You know, extra amount of space, kind of similar in that respect. But I would say more this... so your your Gamera and, and things like that. So my problem with this film, well. Is the film Um, (laughs) because there's no I mean, even though you have a kid as the main character, there's no clear lead and there is no clear tone because, you know, at sometimes it's trying to be a movie for children's fun and exciting. Other times it's trying to be a a somewhat serious monster movie. 
And then you got this thing breaking down with the kid there. Like, mm-hmm. and, and then you have this weird backwards thing where it's like, okay, now the kid never tries to convince anyone else, you know, just because, you know, I saw it dancing. So like, it's not all bad. <laughs> that was kind of his through line. And then it's like, you know, I wish we didn't have to kill it, which is an interesting, I mean, it's a very Honda sediment but it's just so flat in the way it's it's executed yeah and and it's got the the script problems of they're just really trying to deal with young gary the entire time and it seems like there should be some other problem that they have to to deal with we kind of got early on where there are also earthquakes that are are rocking the, the world right. and that's where young gary gets his his name from is uh, a monster i mean connected i'm gonna him. be this broken record i mean again if you are making a new monster and you've got nothing for this monster to do or fight womp womp <laughs> yeah. i mean because you know it's a it, whether it's a gamma or godzilla knockoff it's not doing a whole lot other than knocking stuff down and it's not doing that to any great effect that's really good looking a lot, a lot of the the destruction scenes. I mean, there's some good stuff, you know, here and there, but for the for the most part, the models aren't that great, and Yangari's suit is not that great. I mean, it gets mildly interesting when the kid and and Yangari start, you know, breaking down because you're just like, what is going on? Because this <laughs> thing is literally getting down. It's boogie. It is oh, actively yeah. boogie. <laughs> and and this kid is is loving it. And this kid, you could have had a great character in this kid. It could have been just like a Mothra, but oh, they just, Joe. yeah, they just didn't know what to do with him. And I mean, cause initially this movie starts off with this kid being a, a verifiable super villain in <laughs> torturing his family with this itching Ray miles away from the wedding. And I mean, I, that, that opening, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> And yeah. so there there are some moments of whimsy that you're like, I'm kind of into what this movie's doing. And then the movie starts going and you're like, ah, it's fine. H.O. was at the ceremony, whatever was happening there, like at the top of the hill. The timeline the movie wants us to believe is he left he, without anyone noticing, went to their lab, stole the device and then came back and, and targeted them as they were driving down the street, you know, from and, the, but they're like, on, they're, they've already been driving for a while. Like, this is miles away from location. That's the wildest thing. So this kid, like, unless they also invented like a teleporter, like bracelet or something that we didn't know about. I have no idea what is going on with that, this child. It's, it's another thing that Itray seems like a device right out of an Ashiro Honda script. It's it's really hard to believe that he did not make this film as well, you know, except for some of the, the quality of it. <laughs> a poor poor elements of the script and acting and direction. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, so many of the devices seem just kind of ripped from other Godzilla films that we Yeah, cuz I'm I'm definitely going to rag on this movie for I mean, the thing about this movie is it yes, is it perfectly watchable? Sure. If you if it came on on a Saturday afternoon, you had nothing else to do. Would it be the worst thing you did that day? It is, Probably not. It is it is not as good as you're making it out to be. I think even the MST3K version. Some of my favorite episodes of that show are are kaiju films. Well, this is well, one of the worst well, ones. I, I'm I'm prefacing this because I said I'm going to be ragging on this movie because I even messaged you personally. I mean, not that we don't talk every day anyway about how much of a slog this movie is to get through. Mm. Because yeah. it is rough. And 
I, I, this it's movie so... is not long. It's not even 90 minutes. And mm. I no, my, my exact text to you was, how is Yangri so short but feels so long? But it's so interesting. That's, there's so much different things you have to add into the sauce to make these movies really interesting to, to look at, to, to watch. Like, I feel like I can go back and even – with all the problems, watch the X from Outer Space anytime. I I don't want to watch John Gary really ever oh, again. Oh, I have, I have no desire to watch it. <laughs> and I was I was trying to be somewhat kind to it because I know my reputation on this show is somehow the the more stick in the mud of the two of us, which is not <laughs> what I saw coming. And although apparently I I am kinder to this film than than you are, I I do think that you know it's it's certainly interesting to to see. You know, one of the first Korean kaiju films, especially post the Korean War. And I, I think that, you know, obviously for, for purposes like ours, for academic reasons to, to see the movies that were coming out, it's interesting to watch in that respect in theory. But mm-hmm. this film is just, it doesn't do anything. It just doesn't do anything. You have your, and I don't mind a, a by the numbers movie. But this is also by the numbers and not doing those numbers particularly well or in any way of interest. And when they do something interesting, it just kind of moves on. There there are a lot of flubs in the film, a lot of gaffes, if you will. I didn't notice it, but many of the, the ones on IMDb say that the very interestingly, all the cars that we see in the movie are American vehicles, Chrysler's, Plymouth's. But the the one that they're driving away from the wedding from changes, depending on the, the scene between That's two US cars. There's, you know, a lot of errors with Yon Gary and the suit itself. You mentioned the very noticeable throat pipe that he breathes fire out of. But there's also a kind of like a blue screen moment that they, they rip on in MST3K where they've got people sized about 15 feet tall, like, and have them in a, a shot running away from, from young Gary. And one of the, uh, one of the, the riffs is, Hey, you guys are not that much smaller than young Gary. Why don't you go fight them? There, there's a lot of stuff like that all, all over this film. But like I said, they, they had a good budget for this movie to produce something. And I, I don't know exactly where it all went. The movie is bright it's colorful it's shot in 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 your wide screens at the time supposedly the suit itself was about five thousand us dollars which today would be the equivalent of about forty four thousand. and designed in korea but ex-productions co-founder masao yagi who worked on gamera they, they built it in japan for for the film so they i mean i hopefully it was it was comfortable for the suit actor <laughs> yeah but yeah, they also they obtained services of uh, Kizuna Murase and Kenichi Nakagawa from Toei to help with some of the special effects, some of the fire effects and building destruction. Just none of it was especially memorable. Do you have a, a favorite scene or anything that really, besides the dancing scene, <laughs> catches um, your memory? Honestly, that, that opening sequence where that kid just reveals himself with that <laughs> ray gun, I, I thought that was just... See you Amazing. later, Uncle. <laughs> like I thought that scene was pretty great. I mean, if they had, if they had made it, if they had stuck with the decision, like okay, 
we want to make this for kids. If they had stuck with that through thread and made this kind of more of a comedy, I think this could have been extremely successful as kind of a goofy take on a kaiju film. And it may have been way more fun. It seems like we needed a beach bingo song, like a, a, a surfer song for young Gary, like young Gary, young Gary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely that kind of vibe. And again, give it something to fight and make those fights a little goofy. Like that would have been interesting. And unfortunately, this movie just kind of feels like a mess as a result. And <laughs> get a very sad murder scene at the end it's shot so weird and i told you this when when they do that last shot of him and you see that blood coming out it looks like he pooped himself to death yeah i want to say that was maybe a an element uh just like in maybe uh gappa or one of these other oh no x from outer space they they wanted to go bloodier with it but instead they made like a foam in, instead of blood coming out of the the monster's body, yeah, it doesn't doesn't look great. Um, no, another, and it, and I'm I'm honestly surprised that this movie kind of came out to a good response at the time. Like, well, you got to remember, this is their first, yeah, and one of the most expensive films Korea that's had true. done. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. I guess I get I get it. Like you know, uh, culturally at the time, that makes sense, but. I mean, this seems to have a decent like response, not just in Korea. Mm, yeah, well, it did make it around the world, if not in theatrical releases, television releases. One of the factoids that I was not able to verify, but from IMDb, they said that the buildings Young Gary destroys in the film were structures are those that were from the Japanese occupation of Korea, including the government general building. And they also supposedly left historical Korean monuments intact. Uh, young Gary kind of just like walks by them, which is very interesting. That goes back to some of the, you know, political statements of Ashir Honda's original Godzilla film sneaking their way into our, our giant kaiju movie. If they had <laughs> maybe gone, like you, like you said, instead of for kids movie, some more serious themes that might have worked a little bit more. But it's a little bit of a mishmash when you have ideas like that that aren't really fully realized. Right. And I mean, I, I guess in its, in its home country, it does have a little bit of a, you know, a legacy because, I mean, this this film was remade in well, 1999 remade yeah let's talk about the legacy good reviews when it came out but today there was a survey from magazine g fan that gave it a, a 4.5 out of 10 rating in 96 and that only was brought up to a 5.3 in 2014 so it's hovering right around a five there i can kind of understand that <laughs> when we get to our rating but yeah, you, the I couldn't 19... go below a five. Just get just having gone through the 50s in America and knowing how bad it gets like this <laughs> is at least like, you know, yeah, it's not good because we've been feasting recently in uh, in a lot of uh, comparatively in this decade. But so I I, I I haven't forgotten my time in America and nor nor shall I. So I can't I can't go that low for this one. But it, it's it's certainly not great. The the film you're talking about in 1999 is Yongari with two G's. 
also depending on where you see it might be called reptilian and i've seen bits and pieces of it i don't think i've seen it all it is absolutely terrible but there's a history of other very expensive giant kaiju movies from korea that we will be investigating here on this podcast including the amazing bong joon ho film the host which while not like a crazy huge kaiju it it interacts with the genre tropes a good deal yeah it's it's certainly a smaller on the kaiju scale but (laughs) it's also a movie i want an excuse to rewatch. so (laughs) I've already got the art ordered for it. And then D-War or Dragon Wars from 2007, a film I've never seen, but is, I think, still to this day, the most expensive film made in South Korea. I have never seen it either. I'm really excited to get to it because I had friends who saw it, like, just kind of for fun when it was released. I remember and, when it came out as like, well, this looks crazy. <laughs> but apparently it's super fun. So I'm I'm looking forward to to getting to that one. Yeah. Well, you you've already, already kind of spoiled maybe a little bit what our, our ratings were. I think I'm dropping down my enjoyment a little bit because I had it at a six. In the end, I think this is this is closer to a five out of ten for me. It's gonna be hard to want me to go back and and rewatch this one it will definitely be the mst3k version which i've seen a few times absolutely like like i said even that version is not it's not it's not one of the best episodes and i i love jonah but like it's just i mean just it's it's not great material and this this summer we just got the gamma versus jiger episode (laughs) that that one's amazing that's one of the best what what about what about your rating for enjoyment miles what do you so I've been kind of hovering around six and five. Mm-hmm. I, I lean on being kinder to it mm-hmm. uh, on on the personal enjoyment skill because it is, despite being boring, and that's uh, that's a pretty big crime for a movie to be. I don't think it deserves a full five. I would just kind of give it maybe a six point oh or a very low six, yeah, or even a five point nine on our rating scale. Like six is good. Is a good yeah, thing. and it's, it's I struggle to call it good. I mean, <laughs> well, on a our same scale, the the five for us is mixed feelings, and that, that pretty accurately. Yeah, and that's why I'm falling in between the two of them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be the kind one this week and give it give it a six for the technical aspect. I think there are some worthy elements from this. I think it is very flawed. I think this uh, some of the more technical aspects, even the the young Gary suitmation is not bad in any way, but the script and the characters bring it down a good deal. So I'm giving it a five for that as well. Probably closer um, to a four and then a six, but a five. I'm but. I'm with you on that one. I thought the suit was, I mean, it's passable, but I mean, I think a lot of the miniatures don't look great. You know, I don't mind getting to see a couple of things here and there. I mean, you see them in some Godzilla films too, where like, you know, they didn't completely hide something. Yeah. But for there being no attempt to hide the, the nozzle with the flame <laughs> at all. I mean, just blatantly is zeroed in on it. It's zeroed in on it. And I mean, so there's a lack of care and direction or at least skill and direction. I mean, obviously the script is not very good. It's all over the place. The cast, I can't entirely blame them. I mean, one, we're watching a, a, a dub, so I'm, I don't know how it was actually mm-hmm. coming across. And it's so it's, it, that one's tougher to call. 
And especially, uh, no matter how good of an actor you are, if you have a bad script, it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know. So because of those aspects, I'm I'm with you. I'm giving it a five because I think it it's very poor in the areas that really really matter. And while some of some of the job is good enough to make a movie watchable, it's it's certainly not enough to kind of keep it afloat in terms of its enjoyment and and as a successful movie because I mean. This movie kind of falls apart frequently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one, and I'm giving it a five. And finally, the evocative nature of the film. I, I don't think this is quite soulless. I think they did put a lot of what they had at the time, a great deal of, of uh, you know, nationalistic Korean pride into this, this filmmaking experience. It, obviously did not hit as as much as japan's original monster film godzilla this is still okay fives across the board for me miles moderately insightful is what we call it in into you know finally the you know piercing the veil of korean monster movies we're gonna get a few more but this one is our our first yeah i i'm kind of with you I initially was kind of leaning more in the sixth category because it, you know, it did well at the time and it got a reimagining 30 years later. So, I mean, there is some <laughs> resonance there. Just wait till you see that one. <laughs> but at the same time, it, it mostly falls flat. It doesn't commit to any of the points it's really trying to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's even trying to make them, it just kind of feels like, Oh yeah, here's where we talk about. Oh man, it's, it's so bad that we had to kill this creature. And it everything kind of felt like it was going through the motions. So I yeah, I'm with you. I'm five. That makes it pretty simple to to tabulate our episode total, our podcast total. This is a five out of ten. What do you remember what our last five was, Miles? It was in this season in the sixties. Was it Conga? Conga. No. Yeah, Conga and Reptilicus were both a five. Okay. Even though I, I gave Conga a worse score than this movie, but I think I'd rather rewatch Conga. <laughs> yeah, so, I would too. So ridiculous. I would rather rewatch Conga because at least you, at least you have Alfred in there. That's you know we we've come up with basically like I said the same average that G fan people have 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 voted this on. I think that's probably what you're going to find. Actually, maybe a little bit less than on on Letterboxd. We'll we'll see. We're going to put our our numbers up there, but that's going to do it for for this week's episode. I do suggest you you seek this one out, even if it's just the MST3K episode. That's fun enough. But if you like this movie and you want to tell us why we got it wrong, we are at Kaiju versus History at gmail.com, on Twitter at Kaiju versus History, and our website is Kaiju versus History.com. What are we what are we looking at next time, Miles? Where are we going next? Oh man. So next time. We take a brief and violent turn into a compilation film made from episodes of a giant mecha monster TV show and find out why we don't plan to do many more episodes like that ever again. <laughs> so <laughs> tune in next week for History versus Voyage into Space. 